you're pregnant. Well, that can't be. I'd, I've never known a man. And the doctor said, now don't lie. And she said, no, serious. God's honest truth. So he went to the window and he opened the blinds and he started staring up at the sky. And the mother, who's a little upset at this point, says, what are you doing? He said, well, I missed it the first time. I'm not going to miss it a second. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Now, Joseph could have done what most people would do, and he could have turned her out and publicly shamed her. He could have made it widely known that she was an adulterous woman, which would pretty much mean no one would want to marry her. Her worth, as it was seen at this time, right or wrong, would have been seen as greatly diminished. Her prospects for a life with a good husband who could provide and support her would have been minuscule. Her prospects of a future would only have been slightly better if Joseph put her away quietly, meaning giving her a dissolution of divorce. You see, today when an engaged couple break it off, it's, it's a verbal contract. It's done verbally, so, but not so in this time. You see, there's been a promise made. Money may have been exchanged between families. Legal things have taken place already, though it has not been completely and formally finalized. And I hate to use this as an analogy, but here goes anyway. Have you ever bought a house? You put in a bid, the offer has been accepted, but not all the signing of the paperwork has gone through. It looks like that house is yours, but if the financing drops out at the last second, guess what? It ain't yours, no matter how much you cry and are heartbroken over it. It isn't going to happen. So Joseph, being a respectable man of his time and probably a little heartbroken, has decided to move on, but not to take revenge against her. That already puts him in the top percent of men alive during that time, and even so today. You see, most men would have made sure everyone knew what she had done and how despicable of a person that she was. There is an example in Scripture of this kind of thing. We find it in the woman caught in adultery. She was made a public spectacle, and they were even going to kill her for her infidelity. In John chapter 8, verse 2, it says, But early the next morning he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. Now as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd and they said, Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, but what do you say? Now they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. And he kept demanding an answer. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and he said, All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said, and Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. If Joseph had not been a righteous man, that could have been Mary's fate. 
But you see, Jesus wasn't conceived in sin. He was conceived by the power of God, which is a miracle to be sure. Remember Matthew verses 20, uh, chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So Joseph is thinking about all this, and lo and behold, what happens? An angel appears and tells him what has happened and what's going on, and he even tells him of his purpose to save his people from their sins. He is not a military commander, not a political figure. You see, Israel was looking for one kind of savior, but a more important kind was about to be born in their midst. Jesus would save people from their sins. Did you know the name Jesus is actually a Greek translation for how we would pronounce Joshua? Though the Jews would have pronounced it Yeshua. If you remember, there was another leader that led people into their promised land. A good land flowing with milk and honey. And that Joshua was the successor of Moses. Jesus is our true redeemer and deliverer. He gets rid of the one thing that truly matters for eternity. And that is sin. He was born to be the perfect sacrifice for a debt he didn't owe. You see, you and I owe a debt we cannot pay. But Jesus paid that debt on the cross. For Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is whoever. You see, only Jesus can take those wages of sin and cancel it out. Only he can cancel what's called the certificate of debt in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. Folks, that is, he is the God-man. He is and was and still is 100% God and 100% man. That is the God who took upon flesh and dwelt among us, who came as a baby with the promise of saving sinners. Folks, that is Jesus. And so Matthew inserts a little scriptural authority from the Old Testament here. He makes mention of a prophecy which came about through one of the most respected prophets of all time in the history of the people of Israel, and that is the prophet Isaiah. And this prophecy was given long before the birth of Christ, more than 400 years before God stopped talking. And it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So what does Joseph do after an angel appears to him in a dream? 
Does he go out and, and ask his friends? Does he go out and ask the religious community? No, he doesn't. Why? Because he knew it was an angel. There was no doubt in his mind, and he immediately does what the angel tells him to do, and he does it several times in his life. Matthew one twenty four in the Holman Christian Standard Bible says this, When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. For the Christian, as Charles Hodge once said of the power of Christ's birth and his subsequent death and resurrection, for us, he says, holiness is the end of redemption. For Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. The life that is surrendered to Christ, folks, along with the power of repentance and regeneration of the Spirit and by the Spirit of God, is a life that is truly changed and is never the same because Christ came in to history. As John wrote in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jumping down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truly, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ is no fairy tale, but is the power to save sinners. Folks, Christmas is not about a little baby born in a manger. It is not about a Santa Claus who travels around the world. But it is about not that little baby. It is about who that little baby is. And I say is because he is still alive today at the right hand of the Father. He is Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God, with us. And for the Christian, he is truly God within us. He said, I'll not leave you alone, but I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you all things. Folks, we have made Christianity into a religion. We have made Christianity into a tradition. We have made Christmas from tradition, from religion, to commercialization, to plastic. But Christmas is about salvation. We know that we are sinners. And we know that our sin separates us from God. And we know we can't get to God on our own. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. You see, those men, when Jesus said, let you without sin cast the first stone, It says the oldest of them to the youngest of them. The oldest slipped away first. Why is that? 
Because the longer you live, the more sins you accumulate. And the harder it is to face the truth that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Whether you're listening by audio, web stream, recording, here today, what has Christmas become to you? Even as a believer, what has Christmas become to you? Is it about a Savior? Or is it about a day where we give presents and then we lie to our children and tell them it's from some fat guy in a red suit who comes down the chimney? That's harsh. Yeah, it is. But Christmas... It's about God with us. And if you don't know him today, you can. I can introduce you. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I can't get to God without you. My sins weigh me down. I need you, Jesus, to cleanse me from my sins. Somebody said to me this week, religion, you can make the Bible say anything you want. Yeah, you you can make it. But what does it say on face value? It says Jesus is the Savior. And that's what it all comes down to. Oh, we can argue about points of theology, points of history. It don't matter. What matters is Jesus. What did you do about Jesus? When you stand before God, what will you say? When he says, what did you do about my son? Jesus. Well, I know what I'd say. I'd say, by your grace, O God, you made it known to me that there is a Savior. And I gave up my life because it was worthless anyway. And asked you to take me. So Jesus, here we are, afresh and anew. We ask that you take us again. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we praise you and we thank you. Jesus, here we are again. Take us fresh and anew that we may know you as our personal Lord and Savior and help all that we do, though we fall short, bring glory and honor to you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, we are going to have some candles. Candlelight service. We're going to talk about that. Where's candles at? Oh, good. Right in front of me. If it's snake, it bit me. All right. Let's do this. Leah, will you go turn off the lights from up there? Go around, please. Elijah, will you turn off the lights in the back, please? I know it's not very dark, but that's okay. Miss Amanda, will you pass those out, please? Oh, I accidentally got a candle that wasn't lit for very long last time. That's good. Um, a lot of people ask, what's the purpose of a candlelight? Well, we know that we need light to see, right? And we know that before we're saved... Though we can see a little bit, we're really in darkness. 
Before Jesus comes into our life and becomes our master and our savior and our Lord, we live in darkness. But you see, what happened over 2,000 years ago is God made manifest in the flesh. He became, if I can figure this barbecue thing out. Hey, there we go. He became a light. And you see, when this light gave up his life, he reminded his disciples that greater things will you do because I go to the Father. And so because this light existed, took upon, us, or took upon himself our sins, you see, his light is now multiplied throughout the earth as we multiply to each other. And the more this light multiplies, the brighter the world becomes. And believe it or not, it was a little darker in here. But now we have the light multiplied. As we sing our last song, let's remember that we are the light of the earth. We are the salt. Let us never lose our flavor so that we can share the gospel with those around us. Go ahead and play that last video.